It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Heat. On today's show, the Heat have brought back Briante Weber. We'll talk about what Miami can expect from the young point guard this time around. Plus, we'll talk about our impressions of the Heat's 2018-19 schedule and go over some of the more interesting stretches of the upcoming season. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the Heat in the NBA for Fansided. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, credentialed NBA writer. who's covered the Heat and the league at large for SB Nation and Fansided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DVermil13. The Heat have decided to bring back Briante Weber on a non-guaranteed contract. Weber played in one game for the Heat during the 2015-16 season. Seems like he played more than that, but he played just one game. Uh, he was a big part of that their develop their developmental league uh, team, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, though, helping them win a championship that same season. He's been around for a few different teams, playing a total of 45 games for the Grizzlies, Hornets, Warriors, Rockets, and now he's back in Miami with what amounts to essentially a training camp deal here, David. For a summer that has been so low key for Miami, is this is this move exciting enough for you to come away from this offseason thinking that the Heat have really done something here? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> this was, I, I could not have been any more eh, about the whole thing. Like, I, I you, you texted me, let's talk about Briante. I'm like, what happened? I hopefully, hopefully he didn't get hurt in a car crash or something like that. That's what my first thought was. And that just goes to show what my mindset has been as, as far as this heat offseason. But, I, you know, I find out obviously from the tweet from Shams um, that he had signed with the Heat. I wasn't exactly excited about it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, look, I, I think there's this tendency to think of Briante Weber in these kind of overly romanticized terms, particularly considering he's has always compared to um, Patrick uh, Beverly. Yeah, Patrick Beverly, exactly. Yeah. The, the, as in the one who got away. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I think you looked at Briante, and you know, you and I got a chance to see him when he was trying to really establish himself as part of the Heat roster when he played that great. Um, summer league games in, in Orlando, and he was playing really intense defense and focusing on his offense and everything else like that. And you really thought there was an opportunity for him to to make the team, and then he winds up getting cut right before the start of training camp. And you know, I, um, I think that's that's always been the the case with Briante and that comparison I made. And that everybody thinks, well, you know, he's he's got that opportunity. He could have made something out of it. But you look at what's happened since then, and I. You know, I think there's a reason why he's bounced around so much. He's been with another great front office in, in Golden State. If they couldn't do something to to make him into a key established player, then nobody else can. And I think he's been bouncing around now from Houston to Charlotte to Memphis. Uh, you know, he's been a lot of a lot of teams, and he just can't seem to do what it takes to make it to that next level. Look, he's got tools. He's fast. He is aggressive defensively. I think those are big pluses. So if you're going to bring in, unfortunately, a body for training camp purposes, Briante is a good one because he's going to hustle on defense and make things difficult for your other guys out there who are trying to score. And he's familiar with the terminology and the, the practice methodology of the Heat. 
but there's just so much lacking offensively. Yeah. He's not a shooter. He's never going to be. Or I, I don't know what the diff, the problem is. I don't know why he hasn't developed that side of his game. Um, but it doesn't seem likely that he'll do so by August or September, rather. And, you know, look, he's a good guy. And he, the, the, the guys on the Heat like him. You, yeah. Like you said, we've talked to him. He's got the right mindset. He's got that Heat mindset mindset of wanting to work hard. And that's why the Warriors brought him in. And, and he was in Oakland and worked those practices and was on the bench. And he's a really good guy to have in a locker room. And that's... That served him well in getting some jobs in the NBA and getting these tryouts, right? Because people like to be around him, and they like to have him in that locker room, and they like to have him on the sideline. But in today's game, when you can't hit that three-point shot, and he only, in his career, has averaged 0.7 three-point attempts per game, and it's not at at a good clip. 19% is what he's making. I'm sorry, 0.6 Zero point six three point yeah. attempts a game, so even less. So half uh, he can't per shoot. Game that he, he can't, can't make, and yeah. it's not. It's not that he can't shoot threes either. He can't shoot from anywhere. Like he's not good in the. He doesn't have a mid range pull up. He doesn't really it's get to the floater, rim right? that That's well. About it. That's it. His, his yeah. go to move is a floater because he's got a good first step and he's got a little burst there. Right. So he gets past and, the initial defender, lays up a floater, and if it falls, that's great. But he's only hitting at a forty percent rate from from all field and, goal and, attempts. And if the like you said, if the Warriors can't with all their spacing and they can't play Weber right. a, a minute right. uh, in a real game, that that you basically he's unplayable. And I think that says more about the NBA than it does him. I actually like I, he's a good player defensively. I think they're like he's if this were the nineteen sixties, he'd be fine, right? Like he would have been able to get on the floor. Find a way to score, play really good defense, and then He'd just be, be Walt a good... Frazier, but it's not the sixties. I mean, that's you know, that's not <laughs> and, the thing. And it's just like right, and that, and that, like I said, I think this reflects more on what today's NBA is. That said, Miami now has fourteen players under contract. Uh, that's without Dwayne Wade. That's without Udonis Haslam. We're obviously still waiting on the decisions of them. And if either, look, if if Wade and Haslam come back, I think Weber's gone. I, I just I don't think that there's been a lot of scuttle about Miami trying to find a backup point guard, a young backup point guard who can either take time on the Sky Force or or maybe like the 15th guy on the bench. I don't think that Weber is that guy. I do think that this training camp deal could result into him going back to Sioux Falls and maybe he just becomes like the greatest player in Sky Force history. Like but, a basketball version of Bull Durham or something like that? Yeah, like maybe that's his destiny. Unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot of money in the G League. There's more money than there was in the G League, but... You know, it's just if he just does that for a while, he's not going to be on a two-way deal. That doesn't make sense. So he could just sort of G League it up for a while, get a tryout here and there when there's injuries, right? That's ultimately how he got the the, the Warriors tryout too. Um, you know, sign a forty-five day contract here and there, and you can you can make a living doing that. But I I don't think that there's any real next step for Weber. I mean, how old is he at this point? He's twenty-five. Yeah. I just I don't see it. I mean, he hasn't. He's I'm been trying to work on a three point like shot. Him, and just, he hasn't moved on to say playing overseas. That might be what's next. But you know, cre- give him credit. Like you, he's getting the tryouts. Maybe that like if you if he just came off of a year where he got some time with the Warriors and now he's got a, a contract uh, or a tryout here, a non guaranteed deal with the Heat. I guess until like maybe if he had not gotten that deal, that offer from the Heat, maybe he does go overseas. But maybe yeah. he's just waiting. I, he's just pl- he's twenty five. Maybe he's just going to try to play out his options. And when when there is no deal left, you know, go overseas. Yeah. So, um, you do you agree though though that if if 
way what what are the odds that he makes this roster is it virtually zero especially if Wade and Haslam come back yeah absolutely I mean that that backcourt's already crowded and uh you know Weber unfortunately and and rather coldly the, the 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 honest truth is that he just doesn't have much to offer I mean maybe maybe he's taking a huge leap it seems very unlikely we'll find out soon enough but uh the reality is that it doesn't seem if his game is the same as it has been and it seems more likely than not to be the case. He's just not going to offer anything of value other than, again, a, a good body that's familiar with the, everything that happens in heat training camp and, and can push other players on that roster to another level. I never really let's I want to go back really quick before we move on. But the whole Patrick Beverly thing, the whole FOMO with him. Yeah. What I never understood the obsession of that. What were the heat going to be better during like? Was Patrick Beverly the difference between winning two and uh, two championships during the yeah, Big Three era and three or four? They would have three-peated yeah, three if they had kept Patrick Beverly on the roster. No, right. he was the I, difference I, between the Mavericks and Spurs. Cole. Like, Norris yeah, Cole I mean, he's out of the league now, and, and he wasn't better than Norris Cole, who was a rookie out of Cleveland State. I mean, let's get the hell out of here. Look, he had to work very hard. Look, there's a process here. Look, and, and Beverly went through it. He went to Russia. He was playing in, yeah. in, in freezing-ass weather in Russia before he got a call to come back to the States and play for the Clippers, and he had to make the most of that opportunity. It's not like it's a given that you're going to be able to you know, take your game to the next level. You have Just to continue he, to work he, on it. So. Heat fans need to be better. Let's stop talking about Patrick Beverly. Let's just they found him, great. Sean Livingston, same thing. Found him, great, gave him another chance. But let's move on. Like we he wanted, he was not gonna make a difference in the grand scheme of things. Um, the NBA released the 2018-19 schedule late last week. We'll talk about our impressions of the Heat schedule after this quick break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with Locked On Heat. David had a chance to talk with Dwayne Wade at the Junior NBA World Championships last week. We'll chat about his takeaways from that. But let's get to the Heat's 2018-19 schedule, David. There's a lot to take away from here, um, like there is in any Heat uh, or any NBA schedule release, right? Um, First of all, nobody's going to be happy with the schedule. Let's just, that doesn't happen. All I, I am so glad that I was in Costa Rica when the schedule was released because it was the most non-news news item and I get why like everybody writes about it because we need content and that's why we're talking about it David is because we need content we need something to fill segment two with and that's what we're doing it we're doing that with the the schedule release um it's so inconsequential it really doesn't matter the NBA season regardless is going to be 82 games long and you're going to have back-to-backs and it's going to be a slog and you're going to have a long-ass road trip that nobody's going to like you're going to have a bunch of back-to-backs that seem unfair I am so glad I was not on Twitter for the whole complaining portion of this, but we'll do it now. Um, but I, sh- I should just say, when I see the schedule come out, I look at four things. How many back-to-backs, the longest road trip, the longest homestand, and how many national TV games. That's all I care about. I don't care if the team plays on Christmas. I actually prefer that the team not play on a holiday um, because then we don't have to record a recap, which is great. Uh, and I can just enjoy my holiday. And I don't know why anybody cares if the Heat play on Christmas. It doesn't matter. You don't get an extra game. It doesn't matter. You just It's fine, I, though. I'll be honest. Come on. I mean, Big 3-era Heat games on Christmas Day were fun. Big 3-era Heat games were fun. 
Period. Just necessarily on Christmas. So okay. I just, but no, no, but like if the team were, that's a good point though. If the team, if this was the big three, I would expect and want to watch them on Christmas. You're right. I don't want to watch this team on Christmas. You don't want to see well played defensive rotations <laughs> no. uh, and, and low scoring games. I don't want to see Rodney McGruder's two offensive rebounds per game on Christmas. I don't care. I just, I want to see, I want to watch the Lakers and the Celtics and the Sixers on Christmas. I want to watch those teams. I don't want to watch this Heat team on Christmas. I don't. Do you? Would no, you want to watch it? Okay, all right, all right. I just want to make sure. Unless there's maybe Dion Waiters can sway me. All right, so let's talk about those four things then. The back-to-backs. 13 last year. They have 12 this year. That's pretty good, right? That's good, yeah. It, it didn't feel like a, a lot of back-to-backs. And I know, obviously, that's a concerted effort on the part of the league to reduce these Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a, a good point. I, mean, I think Miami is going to be benefiting from that, and hopefully, they can you know stay healthy throughout the year. That I I don't you know obviously with the exception of of you know, Dion and, and Hassan Whiteside missing a bunch of games and being injured for most of the year, um, they weren't really beset by injuries. But but this will be one extra step to help them stay and it's, healthy. They start the season with two back to backs on the road, and I've heard yes. some complaining about that. Who cares? Re- that's better. What are we talking about here? Yeah, Wouldn't you rather better. for the yeah. when you are healthy and fresh and ready to go, get two of the back of backs out of the way? Yeah, especially over the stretch of the real team, slog of the season. That's eleven back. Like if you take those, or I'm sorry, that's yeah, eleven back to backs, right? Yeah. Like you, you've only got eleven back to backs really, because I don't count that one. I don't count the first one. Yeah, I, listen. I mean, I went through it last year when I was you know coming off the thirty-one and ten close to the season before. I really looked at last season, and I know we had. I, I really had a belief that the Heat would work really hard in training camp, that they'd be in better shape than anybody else going yeah. forward, and then they would really take advantage of a relatively soft schedule at home. They, they fell flat on their face. They wound up not really capitalizing on that. Uh, it, it totally fell f- short right. of my Well, they were definitely they were less healthy than we expected to start the season two. Fair that enough. That was a big but part. At the same time, though, I, I, I don't... I'm not going to try and prognosticate what the right. schedule means for Miami and how they can make the most of every opportunity. Look, I'm bummed out that they don't have more national games because I think they're continuing that part to become. Yeah, to me, like Miami has become, at least in the view of many, eminently mediocre, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. So, because not just because we cover the team, but because I don't think that's the reality either. I think they they struggle in some ways. Maybe they're not the most exciting team, but I think there's enough there to really make them interesting if you like the brand of basketball. And unfortunately, I just don't think that doesn't, you know, I, I don't think there's enough stars on this team. You look at their their contributions from so many, you know, key role players. It's not exactly sexy. It's not exciting for a lot of people. So I understand that. And it's just kind of depressing that they've fallen so far off the team that they were. And I don't even know that re-signing Dwayne Wade will make a difference there. Like, I don't think that anybody wants to see... 36-year-old Dwayne Wade in, in January, in a game in January against right. the Right, Heat fans Kings. do, and that's nobody else wants to. Nobody's been interested in Dwayne Wade since the Big Three era, and that's unfortunate, but it's it's true. Um, no, and, and look, there's three games on TNT, two on ESPN. I, I like getting the national TV you know, broadcast. I like the excitement around it. I like how the, for the young players kind of get up and respond to it. Uh, it is unfortunate. Um but there's a reason for that, and I don't know how many how many national TV games does the Lakers have. Oh, I think it's got to be more like than anybody else. Is it 82? Like, is is it? <laughs> it felt like that <laughs> last year 
Right. We're trotting out with Lonzo and yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I every every ten o'clock game on ESPN was the Lakers versus who cares? And, I, I think what this what it means really though for Heat fans that are listening is that if and if you don't live in South Florida, which a lot of our listeners don't. It means you basically have to go by league pass, right? Because five out of eighty-two is just not enough, and unfortunately, you either got to find a sports bar around you. I'd actually be really interested to know if the if some of our listeners, if you have like a sports bar that you go to, or like a, just a place that you go to, how do you watch Heat games if it's not league pass? Because I'm really interested in that process. Because I buy league pass, but I could write it off for tax reasons, so it's fine. But it's. It, it, I know that a lot of people don't buy League Pass, so I'd be really interested to see how people plan on... So tweet us or what, or email us or whatever how you plan on watching these games because I'm actually really, really intrigued. Um, a couple other things. The longest road trip, December 7th to December 16th, six games in 10 days, uh, including games against the Lakers, Jazz, and Pelicans. Mm. That's going to be tough. Every team's going to have one of those. That's going to be tough. Um, and then the longest homestand, March 8th, to the 17th, five games in 10 days. Uh, and that one is, if the Heat got screwed anywhere, and they didn't get screwed for the national TV games, that's understandable. If they got screwed anywhere, it's this. They got their longest homestand has a back-to-back against the Warriors and Rockets smack dab in the middle of it. That sucks. That's the only, going through the entire schedule, that is the only place that I, I really could see where if you really want to complain about something, and, you know, it's August, so we need to complain about something, that's what you can complain about. I do like that they're playing the Raptors on December 26th. That should be an interesting game. Toronto doesn't play on Christmas Day, right? I think that, that was one of the complaints right. I saw from Raptors fans. You know, obviously no one cares about Canada. And something do they like sell, is, it, is Christmas celebrated in Canada? Or is that Boxing Day that they have? I don't even... What is that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I, can't believe, I can't believe your anti-Canadian bias is shining through. We, we must have some <laughs> listeners in Canada. Um, yeah, they play the Raptors on December 26th, so... Uh, they kind of get, I think the heat.com kind of, they, they, they're kind of selling that as a holiday game and I would not be surprised by, you know, November, December when, or really when we start selling Christmas stuff. So like October, if the heat, if you start seeing like heat commercials during broadcasts, like holiday packages, including a 26 showdown against the Toronto Raptors because everybody's going to be on like Christmas break then or something. Do we play a Hanukkah? Can we start selling? Can we celebrate that instead? Um, I'm gonna yeah, look it up. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why not. I, I mean, look, they also fly to Toronto on my birthday, April seventh. So that's uh, that's exciting. Another <laughs> big loss on the internet. We should sell. Loss. We should do a. Uh, the Heat should sell a uh, locked on Heat birthday package for April, since my birthday is on April sixteenth. There you go. We, maybe we can have like a, a, a you should you, we have to fly in to the Midwest or just, yeah somewhere in the center of the United States and have like a a watch party for those games. I love it. Maybe we'll go to Canada. Oh. Uh, so December 2nd to the 10th is Hanukkah, and the Heat play at home versus Utah the first night of Hanukkah. Okay. And then they're on the road in Los Angeles for the last night of Hanukkah. So you know what, Heat fans? We do celebrate on an important holiday, first night of Hanukkah. Fair Boom. Enough. Yeah. It's I'm not on national TV. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think... I, th- I think it doesn't get enough recognition. South Florida has a large contingent of Jewish Heat fans, so that's for sure. Ex- um, anything else from this the, this dumb schedule thing before we move on? No, I, I think there's 41 games. Uh, LeBron plays. 41 LeBron games. Play, That's true. 41 games at home. 40, but we got 41 on the road. That's a lot. <laughs> I can tell you this though. 
you know, seeing that I cover Orlando games a lot, they're playing two quote-unquote home games in Mexico City. So imagine being a Magic fan. Oh, like, you don't have much to root for. They, anyway. they just outsource the Magic? <laughs> you don't have much to cheer for. And then on top of that, if you buy a season ticket package, you're only getting 39 games. You know, That's you're a sure blessing. That's a blessing playoffs. that looks like a curse. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So. We should mention LeBron plays in Miami on November 18th, and the only people that are going to build that as a return are people in Miami. Um. No, come on, that'll be fun. What is he's like? Oh, and it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. That's true. See if going to the Lakers is cursed. It'll be fun. I'm looking the return forward of to Michael it. Beasley. I've raised on Rondo, Ooh. former teammates with Wade. That'll Wade be good. It's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a good game. Dwayne Wade versus LeBron. Dwayne Wade's Lance definitely coming Stevenson. back. Lance we'll Stevenson. Oh my god, mm. that, that that roster. Oh man. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about if Dwayne Wade will be playing in that game because uh, he didn't talk much about if he'll return next season during the. Uh, the uh, Junior NBA champion, World Championships or whatever they're called last week. Um, but we'll talk about what you think that means, David, when we come back after this break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with Locked On Heat. David, you had a chance to go to the Junior NBA World Championships last week. A lot of stuff happening there, obviously, but Dwayne Wade was also there attending. And the story that came out of that was that Dwayne Wade said if he comes back, it will only be to play for the Heat. What were your impressions of where he's at right now in that decision? From what I gathered talking to him and, and talking to other people around the situation, he expects to resign with the team. It, it seems much more likely that he'll resign with the team than even I had thought. Obviously, I had believed that he was in a path towards retirement, um, but it seems that he does want to play, that he still feels like he has to contribute. From what I've heard, the the point, the sticking point with him so far is money. He wants the full mid level exception, where he's at five point three million, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a veteran minimum, and and that's what's still the hold up. I guess originally the the delay was probably due to the fact that um, you know they were trying to make moves to possibly clear that log jam in the backcourt, perhaps trading Hassan, so that they might have a clearer picture of what kind of team he was re-signing with. But now that we've got you know the fact that he's not going to play anywhere else. He said it himself. It's either you know living in Miami and, and not playing, or playing for the Heat. It's not going to be at China or the Lakers or anywhere right. else. Um, well, he, he needs that mid level because he just bought that new McLaren. So I, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference for him to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, so that's interesting, right? And and I I've, I've said this a couple of times where I I do think he's made that decision. I think he's made that decision a while ago that I want to come back, but I want to play for this amount of money. Yeah. And that is fair. Like, this is not, this is different than a few seasons ago when he ended up signing with Chicago, where he wanted the respect money. Now, it's still money based, the decision might be, but it's different in the way that it's not about getting the money out of respect. It's just getting out of the money. It's getting the money out of, is this worth it for me to return? Like, I can understand him saying, you know what, for $5.3 million a year, it's worth playing at the age of 36 now, years old. He did take the veteran minimum last year when he signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But to that was chase only a ring. Had, yeah, but that was only because he had been bought out and he was getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money That's by true the Chicago too. Bulls. So. Yes, great point. So at this age, why put his knees under any more stress? Why? 
like why take a break from you know why why get on the road for forty one games out of the season uh, you know games yeah. out of the season away from his family away from Gabrielle Union away from his kids who are you know getting into real serious parts of their own basketball careers and you know for five point three million that makes sense but for the league minimum I understand why he might not want to do that like it might just not be worth it to do that it, now he- it would, he he also made point to you know when asked about Udonis, um, they're making their decisions independently of one another. So yeah. it doesn't. I, I'm not sure how much I buy into this, but from what he said, and he seemed pretty sincere about it, they're not communicating. I mean, I'm sure they'll talk at some point, but it, he, his decision is his. Udonis is is his own decision, and um, we could theoretically see a world where Dwayne resigns and Udonis does not. I can um, see that. I, I don't think that's not. And I, I, I just I think that might be the, that's what Wade is saying because of everything that went down between LeBron and Wade in 2014, and I understand why he would have that mindset. I t- yeah. It's totally understandable. But it would be you. We obviously want both of them to come back. I think that Haslam, arguably, will be as impactful as Wade next season, even if he doesn't play a minute, just because of what Haslam means to that locker room and to those young guys. Um, that's a good but, point. Uh, and so I think we just look at Haslam as uh, or a. Fans do tend, and we get these mailbag questions all the time. Look at Haslam as almost like this figurehead. He's very important to that team. Really, and it, it, again, talk about that schedule. 82 games slog. You need a guy who's been there and done that. And for the and a guy like Haslam is so valuable to that locker room. It's important that he comes back and he is worth paying him the veteran minimum again and taking up a roster spot. I'd rather have those last two spots go to Wade and Haslam than. Briante Weber and Briante Weber doesn't matter to me. Like I would rather have Wade and Haslam. So, absolutely. Um, anything else that stuck out to you from uh, the uh, the event? Well, um, you know, I, I think it's amazing to, you know, he was appointed the global ambassador for the Junior NBA World Championships, and that's why he was there in that right. role. Um, he, he had his family with him. Um, you know, his two sons were with him, and uh, he does not. Zaire does not leave his side very often. That's his pride and joy. There, his as young as he told me, um, isn't a basketball player, so he's not as interested in the whole uh, event. But Zaire, he it, it's clear that he's priming him for big things. He made sure to point him out to the NBA commissioner who was there at the event. Also, he pointed him out to all former players, WNBA players, league execs. Like he's he's priming that year for big things, and, That's and awesome. I think it's it's interesting to see that play out, you know. Because um, by the time I get well, Zaire's sixteen now. If we're to believe the way that the the NCAA rules will change in the next few years, theoretically, if he's good enough, he could come right out of high school and try to play in the league. Mm-hmm. I think Wade would be retired by that point. I'm sure because this is if he resigns. Uh, this would be his last year in the league, but um, it's probably not a Bron and Bronny situation. No, not quite, not quite. And, and Bronny's younger, right, than Zaire. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, you know that that and uh, he is as popular as ever with players from around the, the the world. I mean, players from China, South America, Europe, um, everywhere basically coming up to him throughout throughout the event. 
Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Like, uh, you know, he was in a media scrum with us. And then as soon as he walked away from that throng of reporters, he was mobbed for constant requests for pictures and autographs and everything else. And, and you know, to his credit, and I've never seen anything like it, he, he he acknowledged every one of them. And he took pictures with everybody. At one point, he took a, a poor Chinese kid's phone away from him because he wasn't quite sure how to work it. And, and Dwayne took the picture for him. And it was fantastic to see. He shakes hands. He, uh, he talks to everybody, anybody who wants a picture. You know, it's it's kind of... I'll be honest with you, and maybe this is just my writer's perspective. Like, it's almost a little dehumanizing, right? Because everybody's like, oh, one more, one more, one more. And it's like, you don't really even ask Dwayne for it, and, but Dwayne accommodates, and perhaps he's used to it after, you know, 16 years in the league. But um, it, it was still kind of impressive to see how popular he is and how willing he was to, to kind of just like be there for everybody. And again, as popular as ever, it's really impressive. And you actually had a chance to talk to him one on one. Tell us about how you uh, how you got that. Well, that was not you know again because he is in such high demand, he's not always available. Uh, I had been told by NBA PR that he wouldn't be doing any kind of one on one media availability, but I did notice him and his family as they were gathering around talking and everything else that he drank a lot of water, and so I know when you drink a lot of water, chances are you're going to eventually have to go to the bathroom, and he did. And when he did. I made my move. Now, I, I got to rephrase it a little bit there or clear up the language. <laughs> Basically, I waited near the exit as he was coming out because I knew this was my only opportunity as he was kind of walking back to his seat. It was the only chance I was going to get to talk to him. So I, I went up to him, asked him if I could ask him some questions. And he kind of stared at me like, questions about what? And I said, about the heat. And he said, no, no, I'm done talking about the heat. I've done already talk too much about the heat. And those were his exact words. So I was like, okay, well, I'll talk to you about the tournament. And then he was like, okay, cool. That I'll talk about so, you know, he was, it was great. I got a chance to talk with him, shake hands. Very, very cool. Explains, you know, his how much he cares about this junior NBA World Championships. You probably, most of our listeners probably didn't watch the tournament on Fox Sports, but it was a big deal. It's going to be an annual event, and it's going to be a real grassroots movement as far as getting kids at an early age involved in the NBA brand. So that this is the first ever, and it's going to continue. It's a major commitment on their part. And it was great to see Wade involved in it and, and take that responsi- responsibility seriously. It's really cool. It's a little bit like Greg Popovich moving on to Team USA. It's just these guys being ambassadors. And, and it seemed like he was really busy, and he has a real passion for what it is, not only just for Zaire, but for it seemed like everybody competing and he just he seems to enjoy it which is awesome and you pulled the classic like i've got an idea for the boss let me corner him at the urinals move <laughs> i mean you pull it, it's not, the classic not quite there that, that would have been a little violation of privacy look you know as a reporter you got to do what you can to get that that that, mm-hmm. that story get that interview you know it, it was all fair i gave him space but you know i didn't have to kind of like position myself in a way where i would be able to corner him uh, as as quickly as did, I did. when you when you ran into him outside the bathroom, did you just were you just like oh I didn't expect to see you here? Why, Mister Dwayne Wade? What are you doing? Here? No, 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 no. I I I had seen him before again while he was on the court, and I actually noticed how he was taking a picture. I was like, hey man, you never get a break. He's like, nah, you know. But he smiled it off, so he'd seen me before. Um, mm. And and then when I saw him outside again, I, it wasn't exactly nice. outside the restroom. Let's say it was a good fifteen to twenty feet. Uh, yeah, from that exit. I, I, I'll stand by it. Look, you got to do what you got to do, man. It's yes. not the first time. You know. Proud of you. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, all right. Well, that's it. I think that's all we have. Well, you've this. got a story about your vacation. You've oh. got to share with our listeners. This, this uh, is the kind of insight 
that I think they're looking for as to what our, our methodology is. What do we do with our time off? I know we had a question at NBA Reddit, you know, whether or not we hung out and stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, it's hard, but you're in California. I'm in Gainesville. Not quite uh, getting together anytime soon. But, you know, this is the window into our private lives. And I think you should share. You were on yeah. vacation recently in the fantastic nation of Costa Rica. I was um, in uh, northwest Costa Rica. Coast, and I, I feel like I need to specify because Costa Rica is a large country and we did a lot of driving but we I, in, but fortunately was able to do a lot of things i was able to surf in tamarindo i was able to uh zip line in mount verde um and uh one thing i will say is i did get to see a bunch of animal type creatures in a rainforest walk which was awesome shouts to johan my tour guide he was very knowledgeable taught me about bot flies and all and and poisonous dart frogs and all sorts of um, now, you have dart things that can in kill Costa you. Rica? That's amazing. Yeah, no, they. I didn't see one. Luckily, no, luckily, because you'd probably be dead. I would probably be dead. Uh, Aren't they a, like really a frog small, like... did jump in? They're really small and they're spotted or speckled, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and they're like bright colors. So, yes. um, a, a frog did hey, jump into our away from me because I will kill you with my poison. Hundred percent, and so a frog jumped into our hotel room like the first or second night that we were there, uh, and my girlfriend freaked out. She ran to the other side of the room, and I didn't even know it was there. She just, it was like behind me on the window. I had, I was, I walked outside to check out the balcony and walked back in, and I guess during those few seconds, the frog knew that it was it was its prime chance to get some hotel room air conditioning. Um, and jumped in onto the window. Unfortunately, it was nothing. It was just a frog. It was not a poison frog of any kind. But um, I did get to see a sloth, a snake. Um, I saw. I, did, I, I learned that sloths sleep for 21 out of 24 hours of the day. And for those three or four hours that they're awake, they eat leaves. But the way that they eat these leaves, it like the way they process the leaf, it yes. turns it into alcohol. So they basically just get drunk and then pass out again for another 20 hours. Nice. Which is like, so me and sloths have a lot in common because I basically only wake up to do this podcast and then I get back to drinking and, and falling asleep. Um, and then, so, but the cool part was at the end, I, we never saw these, those little monkeys that you saw in Madagascar, like the black monkeys with like the white faces and bellies. We never saw them. And apparently they're everywhere in Costa Rica, just everywhere. Macaque we, monkeys? Is that what they are, macaque monkeys? Sure. The, okay. Our tour guide called them the mafia monkeys because I guess they just crowd in hordes and then just like take people out. Um, because they're they're like really like charming and, and nice, but then they get really mean when they when you have something that they oh, those want. Are cappuccino monkeys. Sorry, no, those are cappuccino. okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I had something that these monkey these cappuccino mafia monkeys wanted, and that was a banana. And I brought a banana with me on the tour specifically in case I needed to attract a monkey. Um, and so at the end of the tour, we hadn't seen a monkey, and uh, I were I was walking through this little walkway with trees where I knew that the monkeys would hang out because it was near the beach and I guess they like to sunbathe. So I brought my banana out and started peeling it and eating it. And I was about halfway through the banana where I finally saw a monkey and I just took the banana and I showed it to the monkey and just held it out in front of me thinking like, this is a great way to see a monkey. And I guess I didn't expect it, but the monkey just came right out and, and just ran straight towards me from like 20 feet away. And just like you could see its eyes widen and just dart straight for me, looking exactly at that banana that I had in my hand. And I was paralyzed with I don't know what to do. I wouldn't call it fear, 
but I just I had shock. never been in that like deer in the headlights. Just I don't know what that is, shock and it's coming shock. right at me. Yeah, and and I just stood there, and then a tour guide finally yelled at me, saying, "Dude, don't show the monkey the banana." Basically, and I was like, "Yeah, that's if a really I had good a point. nickel for every time I'd heard that." <laughs> <laughs> so I threw the banana behind me uh, into the garbage can. And so then me and that monkey, I've never seen a monkey act after, I've never seen a monkey, period. And then I certainly had never seen a monkey just frown. Like a visible, it's, the corner of his mouth went down. It was frowning uh, because it was so disappointed that I did not get that banana. Um, so I got yelled at for almost feeding a monkey banana. And um, that's yeah, what, my story what, from Costa Rica. No, look, it's a, it's a great story. And, and I can appreciate how uh, important it was for you to see both sloths and monkeys and everything else like that. But, you know, our rules of interacting with nature, we, we just forget how to interact. It's like, oh, it's a monkey. It's small. It's harmless. Right. And so we realize it's 20 pounds of muscled fury. And it can, it can <laughs> and you're not, It's not in a zoo. Like, I've been to zoos and there's a very clear border. This was not a zoo. This was, I was in a rainforest. I was literally in the wild of nature. Yeah. And I was just like, here's a monkey give it a you're banana lucky, you're I'm lucky it was only a 20 pound monkey and say you know not a crocodile or something along those lines i was very excited to see a crocodile i'm actually very fortunate that i didn't see a crocodile <laughs> yeah. uh, because i probably would have tried to feed it my foot or something and, and uh, it would have it would have taken it along with the rest of your leg too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm back safe from costa rica um somehow uh, and you're back safe from the nba junior world championship so we both made it and we're back doing the podcast um we're going to do a mailbag this week. Uh, so we got a bunch of questions while we were both um, out on our separate ways. Uh, but send us more questions. You could do that uh, via, via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or Twitter at LockedOnHeat. Um, but for now, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. As always, you can reach us at that email address or uh, on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat, of course. Support the show by visiting our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, worth. Thanks for listening. One last thing before you go. If you run a company and you're unhappy with your return from advertising online or in print, try something new and advertise on a podcast here at Locked on Heat. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. More and more people are listening every day. 50% of U.S. households listen to a podcast, and one in five Americans between ages 18 and 49 listen to at least one a month. That's according to Nielsen. Thanks to the rise in mobile options from iTunes to Spotify and more, to your smart speaker at home, there's more ways than ever to listen to podcasts. Now is the time to get in. Be ahead of your competition and start advertising on a podcast with us. Our rates are reasonable and based on the number of listens, so you get what you pay for, with numbers to back it up. Whereas print, TV, and radio ads are a shot in the dark. You have no idea who is reading, watching, or listening. That's not the case with podcasts. If you want to reach engaged, passionate, and knowledgeable South Floridians, this is the way to do it. For more information on next steps, email us at lockedonheat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company on the next episode. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.